Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Last night, Donald Trump won the Iowa caucus in what is being described as a historic landslide, margins not seen ever before. Against three chief rivals, Donald Trump came out with the majority of the votes. Ron DeSantis coming in second, Nikki Haley in third, and Vivek Ramaswamy coming in fourth. Now, the only one of the losers who wasn't a sore loser, of course, was Vivek Ramaswamy, who announced he would be dropping out of the race, endorsed Donald Trump, and said he would go with him to New Hampshire to actually help the man win. Of course, Ron DeSantis has taken the the, the election was stolen from us route, seriously. And Nikki Haley, despite coming in third place, claims the race is now just a two-person race. Nikki Haley got Democrat voters, could not beat Ron DeSantis. So I guess technically she's correct when she's saying it's a two-person race. It's Trump and Ron DeSantis. But to be fair, if Ron DeSantis's campaign is making the argument that the election was tampered with by the media, Well, I don't see how he's going to win anyway. He's polling in the single digits in New Hampshire in aggregate. And Nikki Haley is only polling as well as she is because Democrats, 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 Democrats want to vote for her. And that's apparently what they are doing. But shout out to Vivek Ramaswamy. The man is a class act. And as tensions began to flare up between his campaign and the Trump campaign, well, when he lost, he did the right thing. And I'll read for you the news, but I'll give you some insider breakdown because we just got back from the Iowa caucus. Oh, boy, I got to bed around 4 a.m. And here I am once again for the Tim Pool Daily Show. Vivek Ramaswamy was slated to appear on TimCast IRL last night at some time after 7.45 p.m. We had his name in the title. We had his image in the thumbnail because we went to Iowa already having scheduled the man to appear on the show after the caucuses were wrapped. He was going to come on and talk about what's going on. However, we kept getting texts from Vivek's team. He's on his way. He's on his way. He's he's coming now. He's coming on the show. And so it actually jammed us up a little bit. Uh, you know, I'll be completely honest, mildly perturbed. That's about it. Because, you know, the plan we had was uh, Alex Brusowitz and Benny Johnson were coming on the uh, first hour. And Vivek had been scheduled for some time to come in the second hour to talk about the current state of the race, not for a long period of time, 
But, uh, uh, you know, to come on and talk a little bit with a few other individuals who had uh, discussed they would be coming on. But I think everybody got caught off guard by what happened here. I think Vivek's team thought they'd actually do much better than they did. And we were hoping he'd at least beat Nikki Haley. I was hoping Trump first place, Vivek distant second, but second. We get what you get. And uh, uh, around 745, you know, we're being told, hey, Vivek's on his way. And then he doesn't show up. We're told, give it a few minutes. They keep telling us to wait, to wait, to wait. And I think we realized what was going on. We mentioned it on the show. Now, I didn't want to just come out right and say it because, you know, I try to be respectful. Vivek's an awesome dude. He's a great, he's a good, he's a good guy. And I appreciate all the work he's doing. He's really uh, helping bring new voters and young voters into the, into the fold. But I did bring up the point. Vivek's team decided do the show without him. Yeah, well, it's not so easy just to do that. But considering it's a caucus and a major political campaign, I get it. And so I brought up on the show, why do you, you know, I don't know what changed from earlier in the day. I'll tell you this. They even had police officers deployed to our location, which was the same building as Vivek's actual uh, actual campaign office, not his campaign headquarters uh, at the time. We'll, we'll get into all this. But what, an office where his, his staff had been doing work, there was, there was no one there. But police were just deployed because Vivek was going to show up. Police were going to be there working security. Vivek was going to speak as to what was going on, what he saw and what the people wanted. And it changed. Ian Crossland pointed out perhaps what changed was 8%. You know, so I, I respect the guy. I feel bad for him. But yeah, I think that may be it. I think Vivek's team genuinely believed they were going to at least hit double digits and do fairly well. But when it came back so low, you know, with all due respect, he ran a great campaign. He's a good dude. I'm not trying to be mean. I think that's when he realized he was going to call it. And uh, I think that became obvious to us. And after we wrapped up the show and closed out for the night, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy announced he'd be giving a press conference. And it's kind of wild to be here on the ground seeing all this happen because Instantly, chatter was on the ground with uh, some politicos. Vivek Ramaswamy would be dropping out of the race uh, uh, shortly due to poor performance. I'm, a, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to be a dick and say like he 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 failed or anything, or like be so harsh about it. But I think he he performed rather poorly com- uh, relative to what they expected to happen. He spent a lot of money doing it. But Vivek's a class act. He's a good guy, and so he saw the writing on the wall and he played it right. He visited every county more than once, twice at least. And then when the numbers didn't come back, he says, then Trump's the guy. So uh, it, it was a wild night. Now, Donald Trump, of course, wins a landslide victory, urges unity to straighten out death and destruction. And this is why we are all saying Vivek Ramaswamy has a bright future here. He's leading the younger generation. He's inspiring younger people to come out and vote. He was winning the polls among first time voters. That's impressive. So I can tremendously respect the work that he's done and will continue to do now that he is joining Donald Trump to go and carry on uh, the mission of America first. I think after Donald Trump is out in 2028, Vivek Ramaswamy has a great shot at leading a movement, be it MAGA, America first or whatever, because the dude is, is sharp, he's passionate, and he knows how to play the game. I mean, you take a look at what's going on with Rhonda Sanders and Nikki Haley. I'm sorry, man. Look, Ron DeSantis' campaign is declaring election interference. Wow. Okay, let's go through some of the information, right? 
97% of the expected vote in. Donald Trump had 51.1% support. DeSantis at 21.2. Haley at 19.1. Let's just start breaking this down. Donald Trump gives a statement saying the people of Iowa sent a clear message tonight. Donald Trump will be the next Republican nominee for president. It's now time to make him the next president of the United States. Joe Biden's team just announced a massive war chest. Every dollar spent by Trump's primary loses a dollar that could be fighting Joe Biden. Once the D.C. rhinos are finished crying in their cocktails over tonight's results, it's time for Nikki Haley, Ronda Sanderson, Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy to face reality and stop wasting time and resources. A communications director for Make America Great Again, Inc. I think what happened uh, after the results came in, I mean, look, they called the race and it's a fair point to the census campaign. They called the race around 30 minutes into the caucus. And the DeSantis campaign is saying, that's irresponsible. Not everybody had voted yet. People were leaving. Come on, man. They called the race because it was an obvious landslide. What a waste of our time, to be honest. And as we were expecting Vivek Ramaswamy to come and join us, look, I get it. Nobody owes us anything. We're not the the, the most important uh, people in the room or even in the city. We're just a podcast. He was on the phone with Donald Trump announcing he'd be dropping out and he would support the president. And so uh, tremendous, uh, tremendous respect to Vivek. Trump won. Now, here's uh, here's what we have. (laughs) Take a look at this. New York Times, 834 p.m. Eastern. And of course, I tweeted it out right away. 834. Donald J. Trump wins the Iowa Republican caucus. They say the race was called before most of the votes were reported, which often means the call was based on polls and other data. Let's break this down. NBC News says Vivek Ramaswamy drops out of the 2024 race, endorses Trump, and uh, he made a great statement. It was wild. Uh, 10.15, pulling up his statement and hearing him talk in the past tense, we knew exactly what was about to happen. So tremendous, tremendous respect to Vivek. This guy knows what he's doing, deserves all the support he can get. I am, I am absolutely excited for what uh, Vivek can uh, bring out in the future. And a lot of people are even suggesting now he may actually be VP. Now, in an interview, I believe he did an interview with Glenn Beck. He was asked what it would take for him to be the vice president. And he said to, he doesn't want to build a new FBI headquarters. He wants to tear, tear, tear down this institution. So maybe he won't be the guy. Rumors are circulating as we're leaving Iowa. Tulsi Gabbard, maybe, is a good pick. Christy Nome. You're cruising down the highway. Windows rolled down. Tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills, the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield now at carshield.com carlson. For nearly 20 years, CarShield has helped millions of drivers avoid the stress of major repairs. They offer plans covering up to 5,000 parts and systems, from your engine and transmission to electronics and more, all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. Visit now. Yo, Tulsi Gabbard, it's a good pick. She's a, she's a moderate on a lot of issues. She's come a slightly more constitutionalist and populist on many issues. She's far from perfect, but she's got military service. 
tremendous support amongst uh, former Democrats and moderates. And, and that will be a stabilizing force for Donald Trump. Christy Noem is a potential, but I don't know if she has the name recognition. Vivek Ramaswamy, of course, is a great is, is a great opportunity. But Lukakowski was saying last night that he that we need someone who's anti-establishment. If you want Trump to win, you cannot get a Nikki Haley. That is a terrible idea. She is she is getting Democrat votes, but these Democrat voters are not going to vote for a Trump ticket. So, of course, Luke said Tucker Carlson, but I don't think Tucker will do it. It's not who Tucker is. Now, of course, outside of the tremendous landslide victory of Donald Trump and the grace of Vivek Ramaswamy's defeat, we have two sore losers. The first, I got to show you, man, Nikki Haley in one of the most insane things I've ever heard. You got to hear this clip. You ready? Here we, here we go. I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. I can safely say. Now, now hold on. Maybe the context here is she's talking about Ron DeSantis, who came in second place. But she's saying, I can safely say Iowa's made this a two-person race. How? Well, okay, let's be fair. I believe, uh, let me pull from the New York Times. I believe, uh, oh, that's, that, that, that's not it. Ron DeSantis says Trump will declare Iowa caucus is stolen if he loses. Oh, well, okay, here we go. Ron DeSantis earned nine delegates. Nikki Haley earned eight. Vivek Ramaswamy with three. If they had tied for delegates despite the gap in their in their uh, results, maybe she could say that. But I suppose her argument is based on the polling we've got out of New Hampshire it's going to be a two-person race. But talk about sore loser. Everyone's posting that meme of the guy cheering and scre- it's like a competition. The guy screaming, cracks open the champagne, bites the metal, and then kisses the woman, and then it shows him in third place. And it's like, I got to be honest, like if you won third place in an Olympic event, like you'd be cheering for your medal. Like, okay, I can respect that. But Nikki Haley lost. She couldn't beat Ron DeSantis. That dude is claiming the election was stolen. And she's and she's out here saying it's a two person race. Now, with uh, uh, with credit and a shout out to the Babylon Bee, they posted this after lackluster showing Nikki Haley orders bombing of Iowa. Very nice. Very nice. All right, here we go. Zach Montanaro on X. He is rapid response for never back down. The Ronda Sanders uh, uh, super PAC says. It is absolutely, it is absolutely, well, okay, it's a, it's a statement from uh, uh, Andrew Romero. He's quoting it, so I'll just read the statement. DeSantis' campaign statement on the media's election interference. <gasps> oh, mercy me. The DeSantis' campaign released the following statement. It is absolutely outrageous that the media would participate in election interference by calling the race before tens of thousands of Iowans even had a chance to vote. The media is in the tank for Trump, and this is the most egregious example yet. Oh, here we go. The New York Times. DeSantis says Trump will declare Iowa caucus is stolen if he loses. The former president will try to delegitimize the results, Mr. DeSantis said while campaigning in New Hampshire on Friday. Quote, if Trump loses, he will say it's stolen no matter what. Absolutely. Mr. DeSantis said, responding to a reporter in New Hampshire who had asked whether Mr. Trump would accept the results. I think they say Mr. Trump. It's kind of funny. Mr. Trump, Mr. DeSantis says, you know, they call him Mr. DeSantis, Mr. Trump, you can call him president and governor. They have titles. He will try to delegitimize the results. He did that against Ted Cruz in 2016. 
DeSantis even added that Trump had protested even when The Apprentice didn't get an Emmy. You know, I got to tell you, man, it's not a good look for you to take the approach that the election was stolen from you. In this tweet from the chief politics reporter for the D- Des Moines Register, Brian Fenishteel, he says, new Iowa GOP chair Jeff Kaufman tells me in a statement that the media's rush to declare Donald Trump the winner while caucusing was still ongoing was highly disappointing and concerning. Quote, media outlets calling the results of the 2024 First of the Nation caucus less than a half an hour after precinct caucus had been called to order before the overwhelming majority of Iowans had even cast their ballot was highly disappointing and concerning. One of the key differences between the Iowa caucus and a standard primary election is that Iowans have a chance to listen to presidential candidates or their surrogates and deliberate to make an informed decision. There was no need to rush one of the most transparent grassroots democratic process in the country. Well, I'm a little torn on this. I do think it's important to point out the media called the race before people had actually cast a ballot. Not everybody, but a lot of people. The DeSantis War Room says, Scott uh, Wagner, chairman of Never Back Down, says that before people even started voting, a man raised up his phone to show everyone in the precinct that the race had been called. People immediately walked out without voting. Okay. Now, now he, I, I get it. But listen, perhaps the real issue here is the results were so overwhelming for Donald Trump that there was no point. I think Trump came in with 70% of the vote with the first few uh, precincts beginning to report. The AP immediately called the race. I think it's not just about the uh, uh, calling it because you have the polling, uh, you have the election results. But when the first results start coming in, and your reporters on the ground are seeing everything line up exactly as polls predicted with the first results showing it exactly as polls predicted. Guess what? The AP was right. When they called it for Trump, they were right. There's no way. Let's pull up these results. The argument that Ron DeSantis lost 20, uh, what are we looking at? 33,000 votes because they called the race for Trump. I'm sorry, it's patently absurd. Donald Trump had 51%. Maybe, maybe Ron DeSantis would have had 24 or 25,000 votes. But you want me to believe that Ron DeSantis' supporters decided not to vote because they got text alerts on their phones? I don't buy it. This to me comes off like, bro, sore losers. The DeSantis campaign, the PAC, they're saying, oh, the media called it early. 33,000 votes, okay? We're, we're, we're talking lo- massive, massive percentages. Uh, I, I mean, Trump won by a landslide. The largest margin in the Iowa caucus history is my understanding. Again, I can agree. There are problems when people are in, in you know, preparing to caucus. They haven't even voted yet. And they get a note on their phone saying Trump already won. It was minus 20 or no, I'm sorry, it was like minus 13. It's freezing. And people are probably like, okay, you know, I came out. I'm going home. Fair. But if you're telling me this, if DeSantis' supporters would not stick around to cast that ballot, he can't win the presidency. Just, just, just spare me, man. He can't. Donald Trump's voters came out in, in double digit negatives with icy roads and they cast their ballots. And I'll tell you this. I'm going to counter the Ron DeSantis narrative right now. You mean to tell me, oh, man, this one really, really pisses me off. They're saying before anyone even voted, they, 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 they said Trump won. That should hurt 
Donald Trump. Trump voters are in the exact same circumstance as Ron DeSantis would be saying, oh, Trump already won. Guess I don't need to vote. They're in the bag for Nikki Haley. So Ron DeSantis is like, oh, that's not fair. People were, were getting up and leaving. Yeah. So you think Donald Trump lost votes too? Donald Trump could have lost votes. Let me tell you, my friends, when you take a look at the aggregate polling, the results are fairly comparable. DeSantis actually outperformed the polling in aggregate. Trump came in within the margin of error. Nikki Haley within the margin of error. Ron DeSantis beat the margin of error by five percentage points. That's incredible. I think the reality is this. As these individuals are, are claiming that they were sabotaging Ron and that the media is in the bag. For, I think I might have these tweets pulled up. Let me uh, let me see uh, what, what do we have here. Someone tweeted, the media have a famous pro-Trump bias, LOL, LMAO. This is responding Christina Pashaw. She says, uh, this is, I'm sorry, this is responding to uh, the tweet about DeSantis saying they called the race early. Pashaw responds, and this is a, a staff for DeSantis. Nah, the corporate media is a pro-Biden bias and wants Biden to run against the candidate he already beat before. No, they want Nikki Haley to run. The reality is Donald Trump's voters are sitting in a room and they get a text right away that he already won. And so what's the risk? Trump voters say, OK, well, if he already run, what am I already won? What am I doing here? And then Ron or Nikki Haley actually wins. The argument that the, the game was rigged because of the results coming out early and it was rigged for Trump makes no sense. Why would Ron DeSantis supporters leave when the race is called for Trump? It makes more sense. Trump supporters would leave because their job is done. Ron DeSantis supporters, Haley supporters, Ramaswamy supporters, they're fighting an uphill battle against Trump. And they know Trump was the favorite. They know they have to stand their ground to win. Trump, if these already declared the winner, the Trump voters are going to be like, I guess my job here is done. Why even stick around if Trump already won? That is the dirty game they're playing. So spare me. Trump's Iowa landslide win is a stunning show of strength after leaving Washington in disgrace. That's what CNN says. Very interesting. Now, I have this tweet from Dave Rubin because he's getting criticized by a lot of people over his response. But I do believe he had a gracious response following this. He said, congrats to the machine, the Democrats and the mainstream media. You know what you're doing, and I'll always give the devil his due. Two 80 year olds repeating what we did four years ago. That's exactly what the country needs. Have at it. Now, I like Dave. OK, uh, he's he, he's got his opinion. I respect it. I actually agree greatly that there is there is risk here. That's why I like Vivek Ramaswamy. I look forward to the work he's going to do in the future. Dave, of course, gets ratioed here. Now, Dave is a very prominent inter, uh, political commentator, Internet personality and supporter of DeSantis, of course, is going to be upset at the results and he's going to be heavily criticized for this. But it is what it is, man. Look, Ron DeSantis ran a bad campaign and I'm sick of the excuses his staff are terrible at their jobs. They are whinging every day because of Alex Brusewitz and Laura Loomer. Cheese. Loomer shows up to DeSantis' event, gets kicked out. Nikki Haley event, kicked out. She shows up to a Vivek event, Vivek talks to her. This is why, even after the attacks, Vivek is still popular among Trump supporters. He knew he was losing, he knew he was under attack, and he bowed out. And you tell me, yeah, but Ron needs to fight... Ron is failing. Have you seen the price of gold lately? 
It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process and life changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. Let me tell you about loyalty. Laura Loomer says, be loyal to Trump. And I said the other day, I think Laura needs to be more clear in what this means, because to a lot of people, they say you're a MAGA cultist. Ian Crossland, for instance, on Timcast IRL says, being loyal to a person. I don't know about that, blah, blah. I'm like, "Uh, no, Laura's right. Loyalty matters. So I always tell the story of Hachiko the dog. But I'll tell you what loyalty really means. It means that for the first time in my life, we got a president who actually did a pretty good job. Was he the best president we've ever seen? Don't know. The best president in my lifetime? Yes. It's not a high bar. Massive foreign war from every president, the extrajudicial assassination of American citizens under Barack Obama, and Donald Trump comes in, says we're going to secure our border, makes the effort. Peace agreements in the Middle East, Abraham Accords, negotiating with bad people, North Korea, and they call him, he's pawning up the dictators, Vladimir Putin. No escalation in Ukraine. No North Korean war. Conflict for sure. Imperfect foreign policy. Missile strikes in Syria. But a net positive. And what does he get for it? They accuse him of everything in the book. They accuse him of being a Russian spy, of being a traitor to this country. They try to destroy his life. They try to imprison him. And this guy is still standing up for good foreign policy in the American people. So here's what I see. I think he's got the experience. I think he's got a great opportunity. He's got the base, the support, the finances. It's there. It all lines up. Now, I think practically speaking, he's the right person for the job right now. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's running the campaign we hoped Ron DeSantis would run. But I'll tell you what loyalty means. It means you do not abandon a man who has stood in front of you under a a a hail of bullets to protect you, succeeded in protecting you. And then when the time came and he said, will you have my back? You say, nah, I I like that Ron DeSantis guy over there. No, I I don't play that game. I say, Donald Trump, I didn't vote for you in 2016. I was very critical of you throughout your first term, but the results speak for themselves. And towards the end of his term, and especially, more importantly, with his statement on his, his second term priorities, I said, this is the guy we need. And I respect it. And now that they're trying to steal, they're stealing his buildings. They destroyed his company in New York. They're trying to burn his legacy to the ground. They're going after his family. They're trying to put him in prison. 
the last thing I'm going to do is say, the guy who did good work, he's standing right there. I'm not going to abandon that guy. It's like, nah, man. You know, this is why I look at veterans. I look at what this nation does to its veterans in, refu- in, in, in paying out benefits poorly, not taking care of their, their physical and mental well-being. And I'm like, listen, that, that man or woman who signed up to serve this country, they should get everything and anything they ask for. You know, it's, fa- it's fascinating to me. Baseball players making hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. NBA players, hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. Well, that's the market. People are willing to pay the money. Sponsors are willing to pay the money. The eyeballs are there. They get paid the big bucks. You know what I'd rather see? I'd rather see the dudes living, you know, in nice homes. Not necessarily the biggest mansions in the world. I give them American economics. But come on. A man serves this country. A woman serves this country. And they, and they lose a leg. They lose an eye. They lose a limb. They suffer PTSD. These people should want for nothing. They sacrificed everything for us. That's what I'm talking about. Donald Trump is not a perfect man. He's got his own moral failings. But right now, I tell you what loyalty means. It means this guy is sacrificing a lot. He's a billionaire. He could have just lived a life of luxury with golden toilets and playing golf. And he said, no, I want to be president. I'm going to push back against the machine. I'm going to end these foreign wars. I'm going to keep my promises to the American people. And they've tried to destroy him for it. You know, I can't abandon a guy like that. But also be practical here. Vivek Ramaswamy would be my second choice. But Vivek has not been in office. Trump has. And Trump lacked experience going in. And he made mistakes and hired bad people. That's why he got a lot of criticism. And I'm, not, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to vote for Trump. I mean, look what he's doing. It's crazy. But now I see something. I see an opportunity for a guy who's already been through the ringer, who is going to do a better job. But I'll make it clear for all of you. I'm not saying Donald Trump is an A++. I'm saying he's a C+. Maybe even a C minus or a D plus. I mean it. Because every president I've seen before him has been an F, a failure. And they say, oh, Clinton, economics, George W. Bush, what did he have? He practiced after 9-11. After he started two wars. Barack Obama killed American citizens. Donald Trump has been accused of things. Yeah, there's, there's questions over a young girl that was killed in a commando raid in Yemen. Trump was far from perfect. But setting a timeline for withdrawal from, from Afghanistan was right. Negotiating with Kim Jong-un was correct. Negotiating with Vladimir Putin was correct. Abraham Accords, spare me. Net positive president, far from perfect. I'm going to say, okay, Mr. President, you give us, you, you give us another four years of that. And then we'll wait and see where Vivek Ramaswamy is at. If Vivek Ramaswamy can be brought into the Trump administration, we are looking at a bright future. This is the opportunity for Donald Trump and for Vivek. Trump needs to bring Vivek into the fold in some capacity. I don't know if it's VP, maybe not. But the VP would be a great position because Vivek would then get experience in the administration, in government, and then he would be poised for a 2028 MAGA takeover with respect and support from Trump's voters. That's the path forward. That's the opportunity. Dave's getting roasted for saying this, but I think the reality is, good sir, Ron DeSantis fumbled everything and he could have run the campaign that Vivek ran. Vivek ran the campaign. We hoped that Ron DeSantis would run. Dave follows up saying, you win some, you lose some. It's part of politics. It's part of life. If you have your head on straight, a sense of purpose and good people around you, you won't want to burn it all down just because things didn't go your way. And if it helps, and it helps if you live in the free state of Florida. I think Ron DeSantis has ended his political career. I don't know what he does after this. He is just now, now claiming election interference. I mean, it's just, 
it's 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 abysmal. It's it's being a sore loser. It's it's just a lack of of awareness. So we'll see where this one goes. But ladies and gentlemen, historic landslide victory for Trump. Tremendous grace from Vivek Ramaswamy and laughably absurd statements from Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. With Donald Trump coming hot off of his win in Iowa, conversations are emerging about what will happen at the resolution of this GOP primary. Will it be Donald Trump? Will it be Nikki Haley? Maybe Ron DeSantis, but I think everyone is making their bet it's going to be Donald Trump because that was the bet from the get-go. However, there is a conversation about what will happen with the Democratic process and their primaries, and everyone kind of thinks it's going to be Joe Biden. Now, of course, there's been speculation that it could be Joe Biden drops out in March. We will see. But some have warned that in order to prevent a loss, Joe Biden will start World War III. There's a couple of reasons. Wartime presidents win. They'll get a massive boost in their approval rating, the attention they generate from the public. But I got to be honest, Sleepy Joe is not going to inspire confidence. So I have to wonder that if a war really does break out on the scale of World War III, people might vote out Joe Biden in two seconds. But the other reason is that it could give the federal government, the Biden administration, the DOJ, sweeping executive authorities that people would just comply with. This would allow them to effectively lock down the election under some national security argument. Thus, there could be another shadow campaign to save the election. Well, right now we have major war news. Iranian airstrikes rock U.S. consulate in Iraqi city of Erbil as terrifying footage shows four ballistic missiles exploding on nearby compound, it claims, is Israeli spy HQ. Four civilians are killed. So they, didn't hit the, they, did, they did not hit the U.S. consulate, is my understanding, but they almost did. This is the escalation of the war with Iran that we have feared for some time. Before Donald Trump was president, we know that the establishment forces wanted war with Iran. How do we know this? I mean, you go back to the George W. Bush presidency and you can take a look at the real reason for the Iraq and Afghanistan invasions. Yeah, these two countries surround Iran. When Donald Trump brought in the big one of the biggest mistakes he ever did, we brought in John Bolton. Bolton was saying this time next year, we will be celebrating in Tehran. They want to invade and crush Iran. I think most Americans do not want war. And for what reason are we going to go to war with Iran? Well, now the Cassis belly is clear for U.S. and Western forces. Iranian-backed Houthi rebels, furious over what's going on with Israel and Palestine, have begun to target civilian trade vessels in the Red Sea. Some transportation, uh, cargo transportation companies are suspending trade. Yo, I'm going to tell you this. We are very close to Americans and mass demanding war. What we're hearing after the U.S. and the U.K. unilaterally decided to engage in airstrikes in Yemen. Yeah, you're supposed to get approval from Congress here in the United States. But what we're hearing is that, well, Joe Biden has broad powers to go after pirates. Huh? Iranian backed militia groups in Yemen are pirates, you say. Come on. If it was piracy and there were ships, go, you know, disrupting trade, we'd send in a few warships and shut them down. 
This is the U.S. striking a nation and targeting a group of individuals backed by one of our chief adversaries that we've been trying to go to war with for a long time. When the cost of goods begins to skyrocket in dramatic ways, this could be bad for Joe Biden because the average person is not going to understand why it's happening, just that it's Joe Biden's fault. But if the Biden administration and the deep state can effectively convey that the reason for increased prices is due to Iran and their backing of Houthi rebels, Americans may demand military action in the Red Sea to stop the attack on trade. Perhaps it won't be Joe Biden. Perhaps it will be warmonger Nikki Hillary. Oh, sorry, Nikki Haley. I can't believe it. Can't believe I did that again. I got to say, I think the play here for Democrats, as we've already seen their uh, their strategy unfolding, Nikki Haley is the real Democratic candidate. Her donors are Democrats, her voters are Democrats. And the strategy is not to have a 2024 election in the traditional sense. This is fascinating. The strategy is the GOP primary will be the real election. Donald Trump versus Nikki Haley. Haley, of course, is a Democrat. She's she says, don't call illegal immigrants criminals. Wow. She takes many leftist progressive stances, but claims to run as a Republican. People who are voting for her in, in Iowa, for instance, they're Democrats. She won one one county by one vote, and it is the urban liberal university county. Unsurprising. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. She is going to, the strategy here is really, really simple. Nikki Haley will win in blue state urban centers. That's their plan. I'm not saying it'll actually happen. But the idea is this. Trump needs to win a primary across the country. Normally, the Democrats run their primary, the Republicans run their primary, and then the general election is split between the swing states. Here's the play. Just have Nikki Haley beat Donald Trump by getting Democrats to vote in the Republican primary. New Hampshire, they're, they're saying now it's going to be 50-50 between the two of them. Oh, I know there's other people involved, but it's like split between Trump and Haley. This could be their play. And if it is, my friends, you will get war on a scale Hitherto undreamt of. Hitherto. That's the way we'll describe it. Here's the breaking news. Iran fired missiles late on Monday at what it claimed were Israeli spy headquarters near the U.S. consulate in the, nor- in the northern city of Iraq, uh, the northern Iraqi city of Erbil. And it targets linked to extremist groups, Islamic State in northern Syria. Four civilians were killed and six injured after missiles hit an upscale area near the U.S. consulate in Erbil, the seat of Iraq's semi-autonomous Kurdish region, according to the Security Council of the Kurdish regional government. Iran's Revolutionary Guard said in a statement that it had hit a headquarters of Mossad, the Israeli intelligence agency in the Kurdish region of Iraq. Another statement said it had fired a number of ballistic missiles at terrorist operations, including Islamic State targets in Syria, and destroyed them. You know, there's videos coming out. It's, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, look at this photo. Video provided by Ruda TV shows smoke rising from a building hit by a strike in Erbil, Iraq in the early hours Tuesday. We have, uh, it appears we have footage here. They say this is reported from OSINT Defender. 
Additional footage claimed to show the impact of at least four ballistic missiles launched by the Iranian-backed groups toward the U.S. consulate and international airport within the city of Erbil in northern Iraq. Now, this is how it begins. They did not hit the U.S. consulate. My understanding is they didn't hit the airport. It will likely disrupt consulate activities and air traffic uh, uh, activities. And that's it. The Casus Belli is being laid out before us. Iran is going nuts. The Houthi rebels are shutting down trade. Nikki Haley is going to have her war cry for this election. And the election is happening right now with the primaries. She's going to go to these states and she's going to say, Donald Trump is not going to do. She does that awful thing where she can't open her mouth. She is going to call for war. She's going to blame Putin. She's going to say, because Donald Trump would not stop Vladimir Putin in Ukraine. He's now lending support to Iran. And this axis is expanding its domination in certain regions and disrupting peace around the globe. You vote for her. She will send your sons and daughters to die. The strike comes at a time of heightened tensions in the region and fears of a wider spillover of the ongoing war in Gaza. Since the outbreak of the Israel-Hamas war on October 7th, Iranian-backed militias in Iraq have launched nearly daily drone attacks on bases housing U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria, which the groups have said was was in retaliation for Washington's support of Israel and in an attempt to force U.S. troops to leave the region. The United States strongly condemns Iran's reckless missile strikes in Erbil, said State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller. He said the attacks undermined Iraq's stability. A U.S. defense official told AP the U.S. tracked the missiles, which hit in northern Iraq and northern Syria, and no U.S. facilities were struck or damaged in the attacks. The official said that in, uh, said initial indications were that the strikes were reckless and imprecise. An Iraqi security official said Erbil was targeted with several ballistic missiles. An official with an Iranian-backed Iraqi militia said 10 missiles fell in the area near the U.S. consulate. He said the missiles were launched by Iran's Revolutionary Guards. Yo, it's getting wild out there. We've got reports that Sweden's preparing for war. We now have reports that Germany is preparing for war. Fox News reports leaked German documents show leaders are preparing should Russia launch World War Three. Should Russia. Is that it? Should Russia launch World War Three? Well, the U.S., of course, is already condemning the attacks, but the expansion is here. German classified documents show Russia could expand its war on Ukraine by attacking NATO ally countries next year, according to reports. German newspaper Bild published classified documents outlining how Germany plans to prepare for an offensive by Russian President Vladimir Putin. This is what Nikki Haley was saying on the debate stage. Vladimir Putin is not going to stop in Ukraine. He's going to attack our neighbors and expand into Europe. I don't know how she does that. If you watch Nikki Haley speak, her teeth don't move. They never open, but her lips do. You're like, yo, what is up with that? But in all seriousness, this is what they're outlining for us. A Nikki Haley presidency. And then I believe it will be the West escalating the conflict. Now, it's possible Vladimir Putin does decide to invade Poland or something. I don't see why he would. They talk all day and night about how Putin is weakened. His military decimated, despite the fact that he won in Ukraine. Why expand beyond those borders and engage in a conflict with NATO powers? It may not be just Russia, and that's why. It could be China. It could be that Iran starts striking in the Middle East, more than they've already done. It, done. They go after Israel. 
spreading U.S. forces. Venezuela makes a move for Guyana. China makes a move for Taiwan. And then Vladimir Putin makes an offensive move into expanding control of Ukraine and eventually pressing on NATO borders. Should something like that happen, perhaps then Vladimir Putin actually would make a move on Poland. But I don't think it's just, look, war doesn't happen in a vacuum. The U.S. engages in activities that pisses off other countries. Those countries engage in activities that piss us off and ain't nobody going to back down. The outlet based its claims on information obtained from the German Ministry of Defense and said armed forces in Europe are preparing for an attack by Russia on Eastern Europe, which could include a cyber offensive. The Alliance Defense 2024 is one of the scenarios being watched that could start in February, include the mobilization of about 200,000 Russian soldiers, according to the report. With troops in place and funding from the West diminishing, Putin would reportedly have the troops attack Ukrainian forces in a spring offensive. Bill described a scenario that shows Russia by July could begin launching severe cyber attacks in the Baltics, drawing dissatisfaction from Russians living in Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania. Then in September, clashes could escalate, according to the classified documents, and be used by Putin as a reason to launch the next phase called Zapid 2024, which is described as a large scale military exercise involving about 50,000 Russian troops in Western Russia and Belarus. According to the documents, Russia could then mobilize troops and mid-range missiles to Kaliningrad, which is a Russian territory located between the NATO countries of Poland and Lithuania. I think it's very important to bring this up because we have talked about Kaliningrad before, but I think to help you understand, we should pull up, I'll pull up the uh, Google Maps here so you can see what this really means. Kaliningrad is a serious, something we should consider very, very seriously. It is a Russian oblast surrounded by Lithuania and Poland, bordered, uh, blocked by these two countries. It's on the Baltic, which gives Russia access uh, uh, to warfare, naval warfare in these regions. Now, with the spike of a conflict in Ukraine, there were there were fears that Russia would try to secure a land bridge, not just to Crimea, but also to Kaliningrad, moving forces through Belarus. They would have to make a move on Poland and take this area near what looks like, I pronounce it, uh, uh, Suvalki, however you pronounce it, Suvalki, because this is the straight path they could probably get through if they're trying to go into Belarus so that Russia can transport goods by ground and military forces. I don't know. I really have no idea. Perhaps. They say Bill has also reported that by December, Russia could use the U.S. presidential election as an opportunity to disperse more propaganda of border conflict or riots with numerous deaths to fuel violence in the Suwalki Gap, bringing on unrest. Exactly what I was just saying. This fo- the following month in January 2025, Russia would then accuse Western allies of planning moves against Putin's regime after the U.N. Security Council meeting, which the Russian leader could use to rally troops in the Baltics and Belarus by March 2025. Yo, pay attention. It is life or death. I don't know who's, who's I, look, I think Donald Trump is the right play. I think you vote for Trump. We avoid World War Three. But I don't know for sure. I feel like any president faced with a scenario like this is going to be backed into a corner. And it's not a question of what you want them to do. It's a, it's a question of the only thing that can be done. I don't have the answers for you. Many would argue that no matter what happens in Europe, the U.S. should not get involved. And I totally respect and understand that. If Europe and Russia want to fight, or I should say if Western Europe and Eastern Europe get into these fights and they want to leave themselves smoldering nuclear wastelands, I see no reason why the Western Hemisphere should ignite itself as well. 
The argument that the U.S. getting involved could prevent nuclear apocalypse could be said, the, you could say the inverse. The U.S. getting involved would only exacerbate the, the potential for overt nuclear conflict. I have no good answers for you. The only advice I can give is start preparing now. I hope we do not see this conflict. But I don't believe the real catalyst is just Russia. I think China, Taiwan. This is our global front. The Middle East, Eastern Europe, China, and of course, South America. They are all on the verge of escalating conflict. Now, to be fair, the Venezuela-Guyana conflict isn't as alarming to me, but it would be a war. It would be indicative of world war. China, Taiwan is serious. But at the same time, again, while Taiwan has uh, great defenses, we're not talking about Taiwan's relatively small and this is regional. So it would be world war. But we're talking about Russia. If this is true, staging an attack on NATO nuclear powered allies, that is grand scale conflict. And with all these other conflicts spread around the region, China, Taiwan doesn't just become China, Taiwan. China allies with Russia, provides them armaments. The U.S. then goes to war in the Pacific theater, bringing in Australia, Japan, South Korea. Alaska's looking pretty nice. Maybe we should set up a base of operations up there, or at the very least, maybe El Salvador. The document said NATO would take measures of credible deterrence by May 2025 in response to the buildup of Russian troops and to prevent combat between Russian and Western troops. Bild explained the documents outline a potential scenario, which was put together by German and army generals and European allies, taking Russia's threat seriously. Still, Russia and Putin have denied they would escalate the conflict with Ukraine beyond the country's borders. And I believe that makes the most sense. I don't see a legitimate reason why he would do this. However, with the escalation of conflict with Iran, I don't think it's a choice. I think Vladimir Putin just says we are, you know, the, the war is expanding. We will defend our allies and it becomes something much more substantial and much more serious. Worse still, my fear would be that Joe Biden provokes conflict, pushes us into serious war, and he does it because he doesn't want to see Donald Trump. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Win the presidency. What would a Trump presidency look like? You know, when Trump was president 2016 to 2020, no new wars. No conflict in Ukraine. I went to Ukraine in 2013, at the end of the year, and I saw the escalation of protests. I was there at the beginning of 2014. I went back again a year or so, a couple years later. I was talking with people. And the fascinating thing was, when I first went to Ukraine and saw the conflict, they were saying it was a protest, but it quickly decided to devolve into some kind of civil war with the ousting of President Yanukovych. When I returned several years later, this was, uh, I returned in 2017. I was told by my friend, no, they don't call it civil war anymore. It's over. Really? Yeah, there are some people fighting in the East. This is what I was told by Ukrainians on the ground. But the scale of conflict has diminished rapidly. Hmm. And then 
Joe Biden took the White House. And now all of a sudden it's full scale war, civil war conflict, and Russia is winning. Joe Biden doesn't want to lose. The deep state doesn't want to lose. Nikki Haley doesn't want to lose. Nikki Haley, of course, being good friends with all of them. So what will happen? Perhaps war erupts. And there are a lot of really strange and dark scenarios that could happen. With Vivek Ramaswamy dropping out of the, of the Republican primary, I am quite worried. Here's a scenario for all of you. The worst case that I hope doesn't happen. I'll start light, actually. Let's start with some light scenarios. Donald Trump loses. He loses the primary because urban Democrats vote for Nikki Haley, and she actually wins places like New Hampshire and then secures the nomination. Trump cries foul, runs an independent, RFK, Trump, Nikki Haley, Joe Biden. Nikki Haley or Biden wins. We get war. Here's another scenario. Joe Biden's not going to be able to run. The dude's completely out of it. He'll lose. What happens if the front runner, Donald Trump, right before the election, loses his life not to an assassination, but to a terror attack? We must, and I will stress this right now, do everything we can. And I mean this figuratively as a, as a culture and community and country. I call on the Secret Service to protect the lives wholeheartedly and in, with the best of their honor and faith of all of our presidential candidates. And I think they should do this now. That means Kamala Harris and Joe Biden need you got to redouble up your protection of these individuals. I think we must make sure there is protection for Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. I don't care. All of them. There's fear that the deep state will stop at nothing to defeat Donald Trump. Nothing. And there's been conversations about fears of an assassination attempt on him. But we know what happens when someone tries to assassinate a president to become more popular. But what do you think would happen if the attack came from an enemy of this nation? Or what if it was a false flag? And they say Russia planted a bomb or Russia sabotaged through cyber attacks this facility. And for that, Donald Trump lost his life. Sure, he'd be more popular than ever. And they would then call for war and retaliation. And I tell you this, I strongly believe Trump supporters in a scenario like that would demand the war themselves. They would say they took Trump from us. They must pay. Many of them would say we don't want war. That's fair because Trump doesn't want war. and That's why they like him. That's, that's why I like him. But others would say, if we were not to retaliate after the life of our president was taken, we're not a nation. And many have argued that. And I, I agree. If an enemy nation takes the life of your president and you do not retaliate, are you even a country? I mean, that's one of the most that, that is probably the most egregious attack on a nation. Oh, I know the U.S. engages in, in, in these tactics. Yeah, we're not excusing the U.S. But this is a scenario I fear that could actually result in a majority of people in this country passively or even actively supporting World War Three. Start preparing, my man. I think chickens are a good place to start if you can legally have them. You know, backyard chickens. Chickens are based AF. They make eggs. You get some roosters. Roosters scream all day. It's good fun. I hope you're paying attention to what's going on in the world because things are getting hot. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I know everybody keeps saying you're going to live in the pod and eat the bugs, but let's just start here. You will buy the electric car and it won't work in winter. Most people know this. 
Batteries don't operate too well when it's really, really cold. And now we got this really big story because in Chicago, they're dealing with a very deep freeze. I just got back from Des Moines, where at one point, I think it was like minus 18. The wind chill was like minus 40. But wind chill is like, you know, okay, guys, whatever. All that really matters to me, I don't care about wind chill. Put on a coat, you'll be fine. But it was freezing. And so a lot of electric cars were struggling. In Chicago, we have Tesla charging station graveyards because the cars can't charge in the very cold weather. Now, what Tesla is saying is precondition your batteries before plugging them in. That warms them up and gets them ready for a charge. I am a proud Tesla owner. I have a a Model S, Model S Plaid. It's a really, really great vehicle. But I also have a Honda Accord, okay? Well, relatively less expensive, but nicer than a Civic. And uh, it takes gasoline. And the reason for it is it works in winter. Thank you, internal combustion. This is the problem with the climate agenda, okay? If we were to get off fossil fuels overnight, people will die. They can't drive. The economy doesn't function this way. Perhaps then you'll understand why it is Bill Gates. His approach is stop population growth or diminish it. Because the argument isn't green technologies. That's not a solution. Oil really is one of the best, if not the best, energy sources that we have. Petroleum, fossil fuels, etc. So in that instance, if you're talking about ways to reduce climate change, if that's what you really believe is happening, green technology won't solve the problem. A smaller population will because then you can keep burning fossil fuels. Hence, those that are concerned about global warming or climate change tend to also agree there are too many people. Here's a story from the New York Post. Desperate Tesla owners in and around Chicago were seen trying to charge their vehicles with no luck amid frigid temperatures that have gripped the Midwest. Charging stations have essentially turned into car graveyards in recent days as temperatures have dropped to the negative double digits. Nothing. No juice. Still on 0%. Tyler Beard, who had been trying to recharge his Tesla at Oak Brook, Illinois Tesla supercharging station since Sunday afternoon, said, and this is like three hours being out here. After being out here three hours yesterday, Beard and several other Tesla owners were trying to charge their cars amid long lines and abandoned cars at other Tesla charging stations in the Chicago area. The news station reported, this is crazy. It's a disaster. Seriously, said Tesla owner Shalise Mizell. Look at this. Someone pushes a Tesla at a Chicago area vehicle charging station where many of the electric vehicles have been forced to sit amid freezing temperatures. Now, this was crazy. I was recently up in Alaska, went to Fairbanks. Every vehicle has a, a, a power outlet extension cable hanging from the front of their car. When, you, when it was minus 28, it was awesome, by the way, you stand outside in minus 28, and as you breathe, the moisture goes into your facial hair and eyebrows and eyelashes, and that's forming ice. Not an exaggeration. And uh, Allison, her hair was turning white with frost. It's fun. But your car won't start because the battery won't work, even if it is gas operated. However, it's rather simple to start one of these cars. You plug your car in, it keeps the battery good and ready to roll. And then when you turn it on, gas kicks in. As for the Teslas, the whole thing operates off a giant battery. That battery is frozen. It's not even going to charge. And that's apparently what's happening. People are, their batteries are running out. They're pulling them up, plugging them in, and the car won't charge. It is kind of crazy that you can use the electricity from the battery itself to heat the battery to precondition it so that it does charge in the cold. But apparently people are just plugging it in. The car turns off 
gets too cold and stops charging and then dies. Mazel said she abandoned her car and got a ride from a friend after hers would not charge. We got a bunch of dead robots out here, one man said. Kevin Sumrack told the Fox station that he landed Sunday night at a Chicago O'Hare International Airport at Chicago O'Hare and found his Tesla dead and unable to start. Yo, are you kidding? <laughs> okay, dude, I'm sorry. I don't blame Tesla for this, okay? I don't blame electric cars. I blame people for not knowing these things. Perhaps Tesla should put big warning things like these cars don't work in the cold. That's why I have an Accord and a Tesla. You know what the Tesla's great for? You're never my guess. Never got to go to the gas station. Pull the, pull the Tesla up to the house, plug it in the wall, I'm done. So for local trips, electric cars are based AF. In the winter, I don't care. My garage keeps the car warm enough. Right now, I mean, it's, it's not negatives here. What's the temperature right now? It says, uh, what do we got? 30 degrees, I think it is. 26. Ain't no big deal. Inside my garage, however, it's like 40. I don't know. I, I guess it's just being kept warmer. Maybe the concrete is keeping things a little bit warmer. But uh, so inside the garage, Tesla's charging just fine. It is plugged in. I don't got to worry about it. I wouldn't be stupid right now. So we just got a big snowstorm here in, uh, uh, in the tri-state area. I'm not going to go drive around a Tesla right now. That would be a really bad idea. It snowed a couple weeks ago, only a little bit, and then melted right away. But we decided we, we were going, uh, uh, we skated, and then we were going to go hang out at Maryland Live with the crew. And we drove the Tesla, I don't know, like a block and then stopped and said, turn around, we're going back. It wasn't even raining that, it, I'm sorry, it wasn't even snowing that much, but the thing was just spinning. And I'm like, I thought the, the automated controls would handle the snow perfectly, but we decided to take the truck. So we took a big truck, four by four, and everything was fine. Uh, I don't know if I would want to drive the Honda Accord in snowy weather like this, but anyway, I digress. Teslas are great. I'm a big fan. I own, I own, I bought shares in Tesla. You know, around the Twitter sales stuff, Elon Musk is tweeting up a storm and the Tesla stock started to drop for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe people thought Elon Musk was tanking the company. So I was like, I'm gonna buy the dip and it paid out very, very well. So I was like, okay, cool. So I bought a bunch of Tesla stock. Not a whole lot, but you know, I don't know, a little bit. I got to say, I like Teslas. They're good cars. But yo, if you're going to leave, if you're going to drive your Tesla to the airport and then go fly somewhere and come back in the winter, your car is going to be dead when you get back everyone. Well, I'd like to say everyone knows this, but look what they're doing. They're pulling up being like, why won't my car charge? Ah, dude. My friends, I guess I have the unfortunate privilege of having worked at O'Hare Airport. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. At O'Hare, we have what's called a tug. If you've ever played Grand Theft Auto, you know what a tug is. T-U-G. They're little tractor cars. They pull, uh, uh, they pull bags, uh, baggage carts. And there's two, there's two kinds. There's a gas and there's an electric one. I like the electric ones. They're fun. You just turn it on. It goes, wee. And then you hit the pedal and it just goes. But everybody knew in the winter there was no point. Every time you use it, you have to plug it in and then use it. 
but it might just die on you. So just gab, uh, gab, grab the gas powered one. And so there were uh, blue and red uh, gas powered tugs. The red ones, we called those go get. Uh, and the blue ones were local. What that means is, uh, I think it was called go get. It's been, how long has it been? I'm oh, at 20 years. That was when you needed to get bags from American Airlines and bring them to American Eagle planes because they're similar companies, but one's regional, one's larger, smaller planes, uh, Embraer jets and stuff. And then local meant you are moving bags from one American uh, Eagle plane to another. These things are almost always gas and someone else always refueled them. Don't ask me who did the work. It's kind of that meme of where the guy says to his girlfriend, if you fall asleep, when you wake up, the garbage is just magically gone. And it's like, she's the one doing it. All I know is that uh, I'd, I'd go out, there'd be a tug, I'd turn it on, it had gas in it. And that's all that mattered. But no, having worked at the airport, we knew the electric vehicles didn't work in winter. They were great in the summer, but in the winter, the battery would drop rapidly and you'd have to charge them up constantly. People right now are hopping on to buy Teslas because they're hot. It's a big brand, but they don't understand when it drops to below zero, your vehicle is as good as nothing. So what's Tesla good for? They're great. I, I'm a huge fan and I, and I do recommend them, but uh, I'd say you, you want to get like a Model 3 or one of the cheaper models and you're going to save a lot of money driving locally. Now, some people are like, no, it's still more expensive than gas. Ah, I don't see it, man. I take the car out when we're going to the grocery store or for uh, not going more than like a half hour's drive, maybe. You drive it there, you drive it back, you plug it in, you never go to the gas station. And the total cost I have on it, it's like five cents every night, if that. It's like, it's like a negligible. Gas is more expensive, but if we're going to drive a couple hours, got to go gas. Because then we drive an hour, you know, we, we've, we've had these issues. And if we're going to the airport, for sure. We've done a bunch of stuff where it's like we got to park the car at the airport. Yeah, you're nuts if you're bringing your Tesla and parking it at, at, at Dulles and leaving it there for a week in the winter. You will come back and be like, what do I do? My car doesn't work. And there's no charging station, so get it towed. And that's what's happening. Man, it is kind of sad to see. I suppose the answer here is just Elon Musk is going to have to do a better job of explaining to people what it means. Fox says they reached out to Tesla but haven't heard, heard back yet. Elon, you got to include with these cars like warnings about winter. I suppose the concern, though, is if people found out these things don't run well in winter, then they're going to be like, why buy it? For real, dude, buy a Honda Civic for a substantially less amount of money, and it just runs whenever you want it to run. But you'll need gas, and gas costs money. Remember, man, best of luck to all of you in your, your Tesla graveyard. I got no beef. I like Teslas, but y'all should have uh, uh, read the instructions. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Get woke, go broke. Disney's struggle and their failures keep piling up. She-Hulk star says there's no hope for season two. Yeah, that show sucked. And I got to be honest, man, I'm pretty much done with the MCU. And most of you know, and it is sad to say, because, man, that thing kicked off with a bang. I think it was Iron Man, then the Hulk. Iron Man was pretty awesome. I like Iron Man 2. I like Iron Man 3. Captain America, Thor, all the good stuff. Avengers, Doctor Strange. But boy, has it been a death spiral. Apparently, the She-Hulk star was asked about whether or not they'd do season two. And she was like, yeah, probably not going to be happening. Polygon has the report saying Tatiana Maslany, the actor who played Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, and the She-Hulk attorney at law, has dashed any hopes of a second season of Marvel's divisive Disney Plus show. Appearing on streamer Nerd Incorrect's Twitch game show, 
Miss Laney was asked by the host, should we hope for a season two? My friend, let me answer that for you. You shouldn't have hoped for a season one. Disney can't do anything right right now. They are so heavily invested in diversity garbage that everything is being burned down around them. Now, they got a new show. It's called Echo. And it's about a deaf woman superhero. I don't really care all that much about a deaf superhero. A lot of people are saying like, oh, here we go. Uh, Daredevil's blind. I suppose the issue is Daredevil's more well known. But uh, now you have Echo, which is, I don't know why they call it, whatever, she's deaf. Daredevil wasn't called like, I don't know, like <laughs> light show or whatever, but whatever. I don't think so, she replied. I think we blew our budget and Disney was like, no, thanks. Dude, I think your show sucked. I think it was super cringe. That's why they're probably not like, no, thanks. Nobody wanted to watch it. And I can't believe they spent as much money as they did. Miscellaneous statement isn't official, of course, but it sounds quite final. A second season of the show was never discussed by Marvel, although head writer Jessica Gao has said she had ideas for further seasons, and the final episode left the possibility open. But if Disney has decided against any further She-Hulk on TV, it wouldn't be a surprise. In several ways, She-Hulk attorney at law was emblematic of the issues Disney has faced with its ambitious plan to extend a top-tier cinematic franchise, Marvel, and Star Wars into streaming TV series. No, the issue is get what go broke. The issue is their movies are failing because they entertain garbage ideas where you make the villains the good guy. Nobody wants to watch that. Okay, so I don't know. I guess She-Hulk wasn't that bad, but it was just a cringy show. It was bad. I'm not saying it was like the most apocalyptic thing ever. It just got cringier and cringier. And I love that, you know, there's that scene where Bruce Banner, he's the Hulk, right? He's like, I got to control my emotions. And she's like, I have to deal with this every day. That's why I'm able to transform into the She-Hulk whenever I want, because I'm a woman. And it's just like, oh, make it stop. It's so mind-numbingly stupid. We get it, girl power. Dude, humans all experience similar struggles. To be like, women have a unique experience, you don't. And therefore, it's like, okay, yeah, we get it. That's true, fine. But the argument, the idea here is you're encountering something supernatural, not, you know, whatever. Women have to struggle to control their emotions, whatever. But take a look at this. Disney's wish is it another the, uh, theatrical financial loss. Jungle Cruise Temple refer refurbishment completed. Magic Kingdom and more, blah, blah, blah. Here's the latest update. Apparently that movie Wish is coming out, and I think they bury it down here. Needing to make about $400 million to be considered a financial success. Reported uh, latest film Wish has crossed its reported budget at the uh, worldwide box office. It affirms the film spot on Disney's long list of theatrical losses from 2023. So it's just only getting worse. Well, for those of you that are investing in this company, I have questions. I got questions about why you would impact.disney.com slash diversity dash inclusion. Ooh, they went for DI. Put equity on the back and you got die cult. World of belonging. Disney is committed to celebrating an inclusive, respectful world. We create authentic and unforgettable stories, characters, experiences, and products that capture the imagination of our global audiences. Uh-huh. Yeah, Okay. People, we are focused on developing, engaging, and retaining a diverse workforce and leadership team. I don't care. I care that you want to make good content. I mean, look at this. 
Across our platforms, we champion storytelling that reflects the world around us. No, 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 no. Hold on. Look, I suppose it's an interesting challenge and representation for atypical peoples. What I mean by atypical peoples is take a look at this picture right here. Let's uh, maybe we can uh, zoom in. No, apparently you can't zoom in. Maybe I can open this image in a new tab. All right. Encanto. This is a lady I'm assuming is a large, burly, tall lady, I suppose. Okay, okay here's the thing. You want to make money. Your market targets those who have money and are willing to spend it. The challenge for Disney, of course, is the changing demographics we see in this country, which are heavily political. What ends up happening is Disney says something like, you know, we make a lot of movies for white people and we make billions of dollars. How can we make billions of dollars more? And someone says, what if we make movies for other people we're not normally targeting? In this instance, apparently six foot tall, super ripped women. Okay. How many of them exist? A lot, but they're not typical. So there's two things we're seeing. It's really fascinating to me. You have these these shows I've mentioned before where they do comedy bits with no speaking. Why? Lowest common denominator. You want your video to be viewed and laughed at by as many people as possible. Don't talk in it. Then someone in France, someone in China and someone in America can all watch it and laugh at this shared experience of a gag. That's the lowest common denominator content. It's basically on my balls. In the inverse, you have hyper focused content. So they want to make a movie like Wish or Encanto or whatever. And they're like, this movie is going to target specifically large, burly Latina women. Okay, well, I don't know how many of those people exist, but I would assume all of them want to go see your movie. So when you're dealing with like 0.1% of the population, you might convince 10% of that 0.01% to go see your movie. Congratulations, you make 10 bucks. That's what they're doing. It's fascinating to see that the, the answer here is just to make movies the way you made movies and, and do subtle things. You know, it's kind of wild to me that we get Wonder Woman or Hunger Games. Hunger Games is a really good example. Katniss Everdeen. It's a good movie. I like Hunger Games. I think it's pretty good. And uh, female protagonist, hero, saves the day, skilled. And then you get this Marvel absurdity where they create Captain Marvel and they're like, it's about time we got a female hero and superhero. It's like, dude, Wonder Woman was fantastic. Good movie. Second one, eh, not so much. And that's because they tried to get uh, a super anti-Trump with it. Oh, cringe. Could have been so good. The trailer was awesome. What they end up doing is creating just garbage. Garbage. Now, here's the reality. You want to make a movie like this that targets minority communities? You need a minority budget. That's the reality. If you're targeting the majority of people in this country, which includes people of all different backgrounds, but as a basic American experience and something relatable at a lowest common denominator American level, you spend 200, 400 million dollars, depending on marketing, then you're going to make your money back and get a billion. But if you make weird, like ethnic minority content, and I don't mean like, I'm not saying ethnic minority content is weird. I'm saying you make it weird. Like when they make this about Latinas, but then they include like, we're going to add a big burly ripped woman. It's like, okay, you see now you're not actually creating an authentic experience for like Latinos, or I don't even know what this is supposed to be targeting. You're just trying to be like, we're going to throw in characters and then maybe what? Convince the very small population of these unique individuals to watch your movie. This is why Disney is losing money. Instead of just making content that people like, they they get woke and they go broke. But there is something else here too. Something fascinating. 
it's not just about the movie art and music. It genuinely feels like we are in a talent decline. People who are able to produce and create, who are intelligent thought leaders, creators, it seems like we're in a decline. You take a look at the late 80s and early 90s, a lot of really, really great movies. And then as time goes on, it seems like everything starts falling apart and decaying. And for whatever reason, the millennial generation and younger Gen Xers taking over are doing a pretty bad job of making interesting content. They don't know what to do. It's interesting. You know, we have that saying, strong, hard times make strong men, strong men make good times, good times make weak men, weak men make hard times, right? And it's true, too, for every other industry. We can talk about war, conflict, crisis, and economics, but let's talk about these movies. You get creatives who strive. I mean, look at the golden era of comics and Snow White, Disney movies, man, and they know what they're doing. But instead of giving off those ideas and teaching people, young people come into industries that just own the market. So Disney dominates the market because of these classics and make tons of money and they can, they can, they can, they control it. They're producing the big movies. The big movies are watched by everybody. But eventually they start getting worse and worse and worse because Disney is able to rest on its laurels. More people start getting brought into the company who suck at what they do. And then eventually you get movies that suck. Disney then loses a lot of money. They're going to be forced to fire those who produce the least. And then the company will experience hard times, meaning the only people they can afford to hire are those truly passionate who can withstand the cutoff, the layoffs. They're, they're going to be really good at what they do and be willing to work for less. And they will rebuild an industry. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? And in the long run, I guess the whole point here is just the MCU sucks. It's basically dead. She-Hulk is over. We're all glad it's over. Talk about cringe. And now they're going to make more and more garbage. And eventually, I just wonder, will Disney fall off the mountaintop that it once dominated? Yeah, I think it's safe to say yes. And I'll end by saying this. Yeah, the main reason I did this was because I'm really, I'm, I'm just, this segment, I'm sad to see the failures of the MCU. They're losing money. The past few movie, movies didn't break a billion dollars like the other ones did. And it seems like the end of an era. The other issue is, man, today is just totally dominated by caucus and politics. And we needed a break from that. I doubt this will get as many views as a political video, but I'm taking that break. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.